We've done it. 50 episodes in, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all, we rocked out for 50 episodes. Thank you so much for listening in to the Quarterly Report. I am your host, Armand Lee. Like I said, this is our 50th show. We're just a few weeks away from doing it for a full year. So you know I've lined up a really nice show, a really fun show this week. Joseph Parker and Anthony Joshua get it on this Saturday, Saturday afternoon, because it's obviously going on in the UK. So we're going to preview that fight, man, and look back at another big-time heavyweight fight this past weekend. So we're going to break down the NBA and boxing and so much more. But first, let's get things started with our number one topic this week. First quarter. Yo. We haven't done this in a while, so for the 50th episode, I had to bring it back. 50th episode, we're going to bring back one of 50's best songs, Wankster. And when you hear this song, on my show at least, you know it means only one thing. We're doing a segment that I like to call Sports Wankster. For those of you who are not familiar with the show and not familiar with the segment, it's really simple. One of the more memorable lines 50 Cent has ever had was on this song and when he was damn, homie. At high school, you was the man, homie. What the f*** happened to you? It's just so memorable. It's so perfect because this is something that we all can relate to. And in sports, it's even that much more amplified. And this week, for the 50th episode, man, we've got two, not one, but two candidates for sports wangsters. You know, let me give you some, provide some context again. We haven't done this in a while, so if this is your first time listening into the show or the first time hearing this segment, I'll give you some examples, what I like to call members of the Sports Wingster Hall of Fame, right? Freddie Adu, first class Hall of Famer, man. He got the, you know, the, the Masters got the green jacket. You understand? The Hall of Fame and Pro Football Hall of Fame has the gold jacket. Sports Wingsters, man, y'all, y'all got a polka dot joint, man. It's some trash, man. So Freddie Adu, he was the first ballot, first class Hall of Famer into the Sports Wangster, you know, Hall of Fame. My man Lenny Cook, <laughs> they thought he was better than LeBron, man. Come on, baby. He's in the he's a in the Sports Wangster Hall of Fame as well. You know, and a and a wide variety of other people, you know. Um, Ryan Leaf, Johnny Manziel, he's on the fast track. We're gonna see if if his comeback, you know, can kind of prevent him from doing it. You know, Jamarcus Russell, the whole nine. Basically, people who used to be on, but now when you look at them, you just like, damn, what happened to you, Slim? It's really that simple. And this week, like I said, it's a special week. It's the 50th episode, so we're going to bring you two examples of the Sports Wangster, Sports Wangsters, the newest inductees, if you will. And we're going to start, you know, y'all know I don't really talk baseball on this show, but I'm in a good mood. You feel me? Baseball season is just now starting this week. If you are a fan of baseball, look, man, I'm going to check the box. This is going to be my baseball topic probably for the rest of the year, Joe. <laughs> so, you know, if you are a baseball fan, some of y'all write into the show, tweet at the show. You want to hear me talk baseball? Well, here it is. This is it. Get your recorders ready. ready. Albert Bell, bro. Slim. Did y'all see the mugshot? If you are not familiar Albert Bell. Let me t- for let's 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 like paint the picture first. For those of you who are young, maybe y'all too young to remember, or you just didn't follow baseball. And back in the day, like in the late nineties, Albert Bell was a monster. You feel me? Like this dude was not only was he a monster in terms of like on the diamond, you know, knocking out home runs and everything, but he was like a goon for real. Like I think he caught a case. <laughs> I may be wrong. Double check, like fact check me if you will, but I, I, I'm fairly certain this is the truth. He got a case for chasing children who egged his car. So this dude was driving down the street, chased the children, and he bumped one of them with his car. He had to go. He had to do like, I think a month in jail or something. I'm fairly certain this is true. I'm not making this up. This is not like an onion thing. Albert Bell was a goon. He hit a kid with his car because they egged his. <laughs> you feel me? I think he beat up one of his teammates once. Like, he broke a ceiling panel because he, like, picked up his teammate and, like, broke the joint at the top and then slammed her down. Albert Bell was... That bomber was crazy, Joe. And, you know, one of the more infamous, you know, images 
of like that base that that era in baseball where Roy's were crazy and all types of stuff. People, you know, Ira Bell apparently, I mean, I think he was accused. I don't know if it was factual or not, but he was accused of corking his bat because, you know, like I said, he was a slugger. And there's an image that we all remember if you are of a certain age of, and you were a sports fan of him flexing in the dugout, looking at the camera and pointing at his like bicep saying that's where the cork is. So Albert Bell was Mr. Don't Play. You feel me? Like he was, he was Mr. Don't Play on and off the diamond, hitting kids with his car. <laughs> that's not funny, but like, Joe, let's, let's be painting the picture, giving you the proper amount of context. So this week, you can imagine my surprise when you see the mugshot of Albert Bell. And Lord have mercy, time has not done him any favors, Joe. Like, Google, if you are not familiar with Albert Bell. Now, if you if you are familiar with Albert Bell, when you saw the mugshot, I know you felt exactly how I felt, right? Because this dude was like the, 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 the poster child of physical fit. Like, this dude was like a hawk. You know what I'm saying? He was just like a... Like I said, he was a goon. So when you see him, man, in the mugshot, you're like, damn, Joe. Literally, what the f*** happened to you? Like, life was hard. He got to be like 50. You understand what I'm saying? Or in his late 40s, something like that. So he's not an old man. And you're just looking at him. You're like, God. Got like seven necks now, man. Just, I mean, look, I can't, I can't talk about hair because I don't, I don't have hair. But damn it, his joint is grayed up. You know what I'm saying? He just looked like he has been through it. And the Bama got pinched for like indecent exposure. And like, you know, driving under the influence. I'm like, bro, what is going on in your life right now? What is your religion, bro? Because you got to clean it up. <laughs> and it's just like, yo, again, if you are not familiar with Albert Bell, if you were just to Google him, an image of him, that's not even going to do it justice because, again, it's not just how, like, how he looked, but just how he carried everything. Like, Albert Bell was a G with it. Again, talk big <laughs> Flexing on Bama's, beating up teammates, hitting kids with his car, and now you jammed up? Slim, what happened? What happened to you, bro? But that's just the first part. And, and again, man, I'm not, you know, you look at the mugshot, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. Like, yo, when you have a mugshot, it's either going to go one or two ways, right? You're going to either look like the crazy serial killer, psycho. When you see people who, who take the mugshot and they're like smiling and they got like the, the glamour shot smiles, the pearly white showing, and you're like, yo, what's wrong with this person? And then you got the, the regular mugshot where you just look like life has kicked your ass. And that's exactly what Albert, Albert Bell looked like. He ready to tap out, baby. And you just look at him and be like, man, what happened? Like literally, the first, the first thing that popped up in my mind when I saw the most, I yo, yo, what happened to Albert Bell? So of course, of course, he's a sports wingster. But I'm not stopping there, man, because it's the 50th episode, man. We we doing special things this week, baby. You understand? I'm happy. I'm in a good mood. I appreciate all the listeners. So we're gonna supersize the sports wingster this week, and this guy, you know. Jai a little hurt to put him here, man, but it's time. It's been time for real, but this past week for Carmelo Anthony, man, it's like, yo, Melo, what's going on, baby? The Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, look, there's there's a, uh, and there are many different types of litmus, litmus tests like I may throw out when I'm, when I'm talking basketball with people. You know what I'm saying? Just to kind of figure out, like, where they at with it, man. Like, if we if we're basically going to be on any type of the same plane, not to be dismissive, but you know, there's sometimes where you know you just don't feel like engaging on with, with somebody on on basketball talk. There there are ways you can disagree on things, but there's some things that I feel like we pretty much should have a basic understanding of, right? So one of them is you know, do, do you think you know? Kobe Bryant, who's better? If you ask someone who's better, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James? If someone tells me that they think Kobe Bryant's better than uh, LeBron James, then I'm like, okay. We could probably have a certain amount of discussion, but I can't really take it too far with it. You feel me? 
Because you like, like we're just not going to see eye to eye on some things. You understand? Or if I ask someone something along the lines like, you know, um, do you feel like who who is better, uh, Jason Kidd or Stephon Marbury or something? Or or you know, what do you what was your thoughts on T Mac? You understand what I'm saying? Like there are certain things that you could just ask, just to throw out there to see, okay, where somebody's at with something. You know what I mean? One of the questions this year, if you wanted to keep it like new age in terms of a litmus test, in terms of like basketball discussion, ask someone who is Oklahoma City's big three. And if they tell you it's Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Steven Adams, you give them the green light. You feel me? John Legend with that junk, man. Give them the green light. And you can continue knowing that there's a certain like mutual understanding that goes along with the basketball talk that you're about to engage in. But if they tell you the big three for Oklahoma City is Russ, PG, and Carmelo, shut that thing down ASAP because Melo is washed, Joe. And that hurts. That hurts. Like, I, obviously, y'all know I'm a Knicks fan. I remember him in New York, but that's not it. I remember him in, in, in Denver. I remember the AI Carmelo teams. They had the, the new powder blue jerseys. But even more than that, I remember Melo at Syracuse, him winning the national championship in his one year at Syracuse. You understand? I remember Melo growing up. Like, you know, and then it's like, it's part of it's like, yo, I'm getting old too. Cause like this whole era of, you know, the LeBron, Wade, Bosch, Melo, like, Bosch is out the league. Wade is almost done. And Melo was washed. Like, before our eyes, we have seen him tap out. You understand? Hell, how crazy this is. Melo, in my opinion, and I always believe this, he should have won Rookie of the Year in 2003. I always believe that Carmelo Anthony's rookie season was better than LeBron James. LeBron just had the whole hype machine behind him. And obviously, LeBron is clearly the better basketball player, right, when you talk about their career. But that one season, their rookie season, Melo was a better player. So I've seen Melo, and I, I – before you went to New York, I was a fan. And you just watch Carmelo's career kind of evolve, and then you see how it kind of spun out of control. And now you look at him in Oklahoma City, and you're like, dog, you actually are a weak link. You are bringing the team down. Billy Donovan is talking about how he's thought about benching Melo for Jeremy Grant down the stretch of these games, but he's not going to do it because of Melo's veteran leadership or whatever the case. And I'm like, Slim. That's why y'all not going to advance far. You look at, like, if Carmelo Anthony was just a little bit of what he once was, Oklahoma City would be a legit championship threat. You watch Oklahoma City this, like, especially, like, the last two weeks, you look at that Melo, like, bro, what, what, is, what is going on? Like, like what it, not only are you slowing down everything, right? We all remember Iso Melo, where he'll just hold the ball on the elbow and just hold it and let the defense set up. But he was such an amazing shooter that half the time it didn't work, you know? And his first his first half of his tenure in, in New York, it did work out. But, like, lately, and now in Oklahoma City, you just like, bro, you don't have a left. He can't finish at the rim anymore. He can't blow by people one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. He's not getting into the free throw line. That's like, Melo, dog, what the f*** happened to you? Right in front of your eyes, man. Like, you get old in basketball and in dog years. You can be good in October. And then come March, you are done. I remember a few years ago, if y'all listening, if you are a Knicks fan, I know you remember this. Jason Kidd in the playoffs. Like, when we lost in the second round to the Pacers, the first part of the year, Jason Kidd was hitting big shots, you know, hitting big three-pointers, running the offense well. Playoffs came and he couldn't make a land. It was over for him. I mean, you grow, you get old in the NBA in dog years, man. And for Carmelo, it's not old yeller time yet. But we getting close. We are getting close. And this is it's y'all hurt. Like Melo was like of this era of this past era. Melo was one of the staples of the NBA. Like Melo made it cool to watch Denver. And now he, he on his last leg, Slim. But the crazy thing is he don't know it yet. In his head, he still thinks he's that dude. 
And it's just costing Oklahoma City, despite Russell Westbrook, despite Paul George, despite Steven Adams. Melo. Melo's the Bama who's going to shoot them out of a legit championship run. And that hurts because I love Carmelo Anthony. Huh? So, of course, man, again, this is a special edition of the Sports Wingster. Sports Wingster, so we got to finish it up strong. To Albert Bell, to Carmelo Anthony. Y'all at home, you're in your car, you're in the subway. Sing along with me. Damn, homie. In high school, y'all were the man, homie. What the fuck happened to y'all, man? All right, guys, let me know if you agree or if you have a nomination for the next Sports Wangster. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or you can email us at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Get involved. Get interactive. Let me know your thoughts. Am I being too harsh on Carmelo Anthony? I don't think so, but maybe you do. Or if you have a better suggestion for next week's or the next time we do Sports Wangster, let me know. All right, guys, we're going to keep the show moving, sticking on the hardwood with one of the strangest stories that I can ever remember in one of the more amazing seasons, I think, in recent history. It's our second topic this week. Second. The San Antonio Spurs for over two decades have been the model of consistency, not just of the NBA, but for North American sports. You know, a lot of people think about the Patriots, and obviously the Patriots have had uh, a sustained amount of success over the years, but their success started really in what, 02, 03? And I'm not trying to poo poo it, that's 15 years. The San Antonio Spurs won their first championship in 1999. Okay? 1999 is when they won their first. That doesn't even ta- take into account all the years they advanced in the playoffs. And same head coach uh, basically have gone from David Robinson, Hall of Famer. Tim Duncan, Hall of Famer. And then there was a, a brief little bridge where it was a Tony Parker slash Mono Ginobili, both Hall of Famers. And not like the cheap, you know, Mitch Richmond Hall of Fame, no disrespect to Mitch Richmond. But y'all know that the basketball Hall of Fame is kind of it's kind of weak. But the Spurs, they've had legit, like, no matter how you break it down, Tony Parker, Tim, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Mono Ginobili, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. And it looked as if They found the next bridge. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is just a few years removed from being a finals MVP. Think about this. Kawhi Leonard, I believe this is what, his sixth season? Uh, Seventh, sixth or seventh season? Maybe seventh. He's a finals MVP. He's been to another finals. He's a two-time defensive player of the year. I mean, that resume and that short amount of time is amazing. Amazing. And again, coupled with the Spurs, coupled being in, you know, San Antonio, not a glitz and glamour market, and with Kawhi's seemingly personality of being stoic, soft-spoken, not even soft-spoken, we don't even know. Kawhi never talks, and that's been like his kind of persona, and it seemed to be something that he relishes, right? So you can imagine how crazy this entire Kawhi Leonard saga in San Antonio is now when you add in all the colors and all the pieces to this puzzle because it makes no sense. We've never seen the Spurs deal with something like this. Even when they had guys like Steven Jackson and players who, you know, Mario Ellie back in the day, I mean, they've had some hotheads, some characters. But it never kind of usurped their their uh, stigma, right? Their reputation of always handling things in-house, never having anything too crazy and too wild, right? They had Dennis Rodman on it. People forget Dennis Rodman was on the Spurs, and, you know, clearly that wasn't working out, but it wasn't any type of big, you know, media storm, right? where David Robinson was voicing how unhappy he was. Even even Dennis Rodman. I, Dennis Rodman wasn't vocally, and this is back when I was young, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember, I don't recall Dennis Rodman throwing like a, a, a tantrum, you know? But Kawhi doing it. Forget the fact that it happened in San Antonio, which is um, uh, almost awe-inspiring, but the fact that it was Kawhi? And then, and now we're in a position where it's clear 
it's clear something's up. Because we've heard Mano Ginobili, who never calls out a teammate, basically like, yo, I've heard Kawhi talk. I'll believe it when I see it in terms of his return. And the Spurs need him. I don't know when the last time you guys looked at the Western Conference playoff race. But the Clippers, they they keep on hanging in and winning games. The Denver Nuggets are a tough team who's getting healthy and are competitive and winning a few games. That eighth seed, it's not like it, it's not like it is, you know, a few years ago in the East where, you know, you just have to be 500 or maybe a game under 500 to make it to the playoffs. In the Western Conference, you may have to win 50 games to make it to the playoffs. Like, is that real? And the Spurs are right in the midst of things as at the time of this recording, like a game and a half, two games out of not even making it in its murderous row for the last however many games left in this season for them, okay? So it's not like Kawhi Leonard couldn't help them. Forget about a championship run just to make it to the playoffs, you know? And Mano Ginobili's like, man, he's not coming back. I'll believe it when I see it. Tony Parker, Tony Parker, okay? To- <laughs> Again, for context, Tony Bart Parker knocked down Brent Barry's wife when they were teammates, you know what I'm saying? And you didn't hear a peep from anybody in that organization. And you know there was a clearly there's a problem if that's popping off. Tony Parker's out here calling out Kawhi Leonard saying, you know what? My quadricep injury was a hundred times worse than his was. And I came back. Slim. <laughs> what is going on? It's to the point now. It seems so toxic. And again, the Spurs, it's not like they have anybody who's going to publicly, like, in terms of publicly calling somebody out, that's as bad as it gets for the Spurs. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be like somebody's going to call him out his name and disrespect his mother and all this other stuff. But for Spurs speak, you know what I'm saying? You throw in the translator for the Spurs, like, that's the equivalent. Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, the veteran leadership of this team has called out Kawhi Leonard publicly Kawhi hasn't said a word. It's a super toxic environment. And it makes you think. It's like, yo, Kawhi Leonard is young. Kawhi Leonard, when he is playing and he's healthy, without question, in my opinion, is one of the five best players in the league. And the Spurs don't seem like they can keep him. And he's got one year left on his contract. So now you're in a position where... The star doesn't trust the team. Clearly, there's been a breach of trust, right? Kawhi doesn't trust the training staff. And on some level, I get it. Like, look, man, you got one body. And if you're not feeling right and you feel like the training staff or the organization has somehow done you wrong, I get why you wouldn't trust him. And look, nobody knows what Kawhi feels. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever had a a, a, a situation when you go to your physician and you're like, man, you know, something doesn't feel right with my body, you know? And they may tell you, oh, it's just a sprain. Don't worry about it. Put some ice, maybe take some physical therapy. It's nothing serious. And you're like, you know what? I'm fairly confident that this isn't just a sprain. I want an MRI or something. I think there's something maybe torn or, you know, something something is not right. And you ever had a back and forth with the physician and they're trying to almost convince you that you don't need an MRI or you don't need some type of surgery. And you'd say like, yo, this don't feel right. No one can tell you what you feel. So I'm I'm completely sympathetic with Kawhi. I don't know the man, clearly. I have no idea what's going on in his mind, but it doesn't seem like he's somebody who just is loafing and doesn't want to play. If he's not playing, I feel it's because it's there's a reason, you know? And the fact that we haven't heard anything from Kawhi. It's not like he's being a malcontent, at least outwardly. The only thing we hear from are from the Spurs which is completely out of character, which makes me think that, yo, it makes me at least side. And I'm always, nine times out of ten, I'm always going to side with the player, right? But I feel even more comfortable kind of feeling and siding with Kawhi because, like, this is so out of character from San Antonio. It just feels weird. And if the Spurs end up moving on from Kawhi Leonard, like, how do you do that? How do you do that? Like, what the Indiana Pacers did with Paul George has been impressive. And, you know, Paul George is a talented player. I don't think Paul George was 
I wasn't as big of a Paul George guy as a lot of people were, but we all can agree Paul George ain't Kawhi Leonard. You understand? Moving on from Kawhi Leonard is that's not that's not easy. And he's a year away from free agency. And you got to ask yourself, one, how much damage has been done? How fractured is this relationship between Kawhi and the Spurs? Because you know you got one year. You know you got one year or you could lose them for nothing. There is no restricted free agency now. After next next season, he will be a complete unrestricted free agent. And if the damage has been catastrophic enough, you got to really do some cost analysis and be like, yo, we can either get something for him or lose him for nothing. And Kawhi Leonard is too good of a player to just lose for nothing. And that leads me to my second point. At this point, what is, I guess, as close to value that you can get for Kawhi? Because nobody knows what's wrong with them. That's one of the problems when you don't talk, when you don't have anybody. Like, we think something may be coming from Kawhi Leonard's uncle or something, some type of crazy, you know what I'm saying, cryptic, uh, offhand comments that could or could not be related to Kawhi. But we don't know. Kawhi hasn't said anything. His agent hasn't said anything. It's like these cryptic messages that could or could not be coming from his uncle. You know what I'm saying? I hope nobody holds me to what my uncle may say about me. You know what I'm saying? But that's what we do, and it's only because Kawhi doesn't talk. So in some ways, he's actually hurting himself because who knows if the Spurs, like you figure the Spurs have to trade him or rather than risk losing him for nothing. But what's value for Kawhi? Because we don't know how healthy he is. I mean, it seems like there's a real legit concern, and it's a quadricep. He got hurt last year in the playoffs because of an ankle. We haven't seen him, but for nine games, so what would you offer for one of the five best players in the league who's young, but you don't know anything about him? Does Kawhi Leonard care about market size? Who knows? He doesn't talk. What type of system does Kawhi Leonard want? Does Kawhi Leonard want to be the man? Like Kyrie, people people knock how Kyrie handled it, but I give him credit. He laid out everything he wanted, and he didn't make a mess out of it. He tried to keep it quiet. It was someone else in Cleveland who who uh, leaked that he was trying to be moved. But Kawhi quietly told the organization, hey, man, this ain't for me. Here's a list of teams that I want to be traded to. Handling y'all business. And it allowed Cleveland to get the best deal possible. You know, I don't know if San Antonio can do that for a lot of reasons, mainly because no one knows what Kawhi wants. So while we applaud him for, you know, being a robotic and being stoic and emotionless, that may come back to bite him in the ass because nobody knows what he wants. Nobody knows what condition he's in. And many of us don't even know how we got to this point. But for the Spurs, man, <laughs> this problem is on your front step. And I I have no idea how they handle this. Because if you look at the Spurs recently, and now LaMarcus may be down for a while, this team isn't, this team isn't, I don't want to say they're not good because you got all the faith in the world in Popovich, but this roster, this team is built around Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge to some extent, and LaMarcus has had a great season. But they are a championship-level team with Kawhi Leonard. Without him, they are fighting just to make the playoffs, and they may have to trade him this offseason. That's a tough decision, but man, I'm trying to make these decisions for y'all as easy as possible. Rock with the show. We are 50 episodes in and we're not stopping anytime soon. I want to hear from you. And there's so many different ways that you can get in touch with me and the show. You can email us at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on Kawhi Leonard or Carmelo Anthony, or whatever the case you want to talk about, basketball, football, boxing, entertainment, you name it. I'm here for you. Let me know what you think. If you disagree with me or if you couldn't agree more, I'm all ears, man. Let me know your thoughts on the show. And also, rate and review the show on any platform that you listen to us. We're all over the place. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. You name it, man. Also, the RSS feed is Lipson. So, 
There's so many ways you can listen to the show, so many ways you can engage with me. And no matter where you do it, how you listen, make sure you leave some five-star reviews for your boy, man. Again, this is our 50th episode. I'm trying to deliver something a little bit different, a little fun. And I love the feedback that I've gotten thus far. But let's keep it all moving, man. Let your friends and your family, let the world know what you think of the quarterly report. Now, apparently, and you guys heard the horn, so you know that means we're about to hit halftime. And apparently you guys, or many people, fell in love with the reboot of Roseanne. A few weeks back, I was talking about how, you know, it seems like the, the powers that be, if you will, are getting a little bit lazy in terms of the, the, the programs that they're putting on television because we're getting nothing but reboots. And I mentioned this because one of my favorite shows coming up was Martin, and they were talking about possibly rebooting the show. And another favorite show I had as a child was Roseanne. I used to love the Roseanne Barr show as a child. I used to watch it with my mother. So when I heard that they were rebooting it, I was in one part, I was like, okay, I get the nostalgia. But at the second time, like I told you guys, I was saying, yo, why are we getting this reboot? But there was one fact that I didn't know about the Roseanne Barr reboot. And apparently it's like a huge piece of this new show. Now, full disclosure, I didn't watch the first episode of the new season, but it did impressive numbers. It was breaking records. It did like 18 plus million views, which is huge for any television show, let alone a sitcom. But apparently one of the biggest uh, pieces of this show, the reboot of this show, is that Roseanne and her family there, I guess they're Trump supporters, right? And again, I had no idea about this. I, you know, I probably may have steered clear of that because I try not to editorialize too much on this show politically. But apparently this is like the big hook for the show. And the fact that they did such huge numbers their first weekend, y'all know how this ends up, right? We know that the NFL is a copycat league and so too are television executives. If one thing happens and one thing has success, you can best believe that there are going to be five copycat or five different variations of the successful show. So I just want to get you guys ready because inevitably this will be happening, right? Boardrooms across major networks are trying to figure out how they can reboot old shows, old successful shows, but throw it in this Trump era of television. So without further ado, I'm going to give you guys a glimpse into how some of these boardroom meetings are going down. Take a listen. All right, guys, Roseanne was a huge success. So how can we capitalize on rebooting one of our older established shows all the while connecting with the, um, uh, you know, blue collar working class American? Give me your best ideas. I've got one. Let's reboot Perfect Strangers. Except this time, Larry's cousin Balky is actually named Jorge, and they engage in debates about immigration. I like it, I like it. You know what, maybe I can convince Matt Damon to play the Mexican Balky. You know, he doesn't really mind doing stuff like that. What else you guys have? How about this? Let's bring back Home Improvement. Tim the Toolman Taylor's show has competition from a rival who focuses primarily on home improvement using tools made in China. It will have all of the labs we're accustomed to, plus a sense of Americana as we root for Tim to annihilate his foreign competitors. Now that's what I'm talking about, although I feel like it's um, missing something. Hmm, maybe let's make one of his sons rehab from an opioid addiction. Make it more relatable. Anyone else? I've got it. I've got it. We'll reboot step by step. After their parents both die due to frostbite, Alicia Lambert and Dana Foster go on a war against global warming, stating their parents couldn't have died if the earth was getting warmer. Also, JT Lambert is a staunch NRA supporter who owns more automatic guns than he does clothes. And here's the kicker. Cody will become a member of the alt-right who starts to develop feelings for a black woman. And I know the perfect actress for the role, Stacey Dash. 
Y'all know that's what's coming, right? You know, and I don't want to cast aspersions or make uh, any type of negative statement on the Roseanne show, the reboot, because I didn't watch it, like I said. But, like, I didn't know before the show started that it was going to feature, at least, or have a prominent, you know, uh, pro-Trump. I don't, I don't even know how to classify it, because, like I said, I didn't watch it. But that speaks to the point. I didn't know anything about them being Trump supporters prior to the show. But after the show aired and after, you know, they had their impressive numbers, that's all anyone was talking about. Like, yo, there's a part of middle America who relates to Roseanne because she was a pro-Trump supporter. So, you know, we're going to be flooded, flooded, especially over the summer. They're going to try out new shows, new sitcoms with, with families who, you know, see or relate to or, you know, uh, connect with some of uh, Trump's um, political views. And, you know, whatever, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, whatever. But when you juxtapose that to a show like Blackish, who, you know, they've, they've done some years now of like some really, show, some really strong shows, but, you know, a few weeks back, you find out that ABC one air a show talking about, you know, players kneeling, you know, um, for equality. And they, 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 they canceled that show. They made sure that show didn't air. And then you have stuff like this, you know, I ain't gonna lie, man. It make me feel some type of type of way. But like I said, I can't, I can't OD too much because I didn't watch the show. I don't even know how much of the show was centered on Trump. It's not fair for me to talk too much on that. But again, I knew nothing about that leading into the show, but that's all anyone is talking about after the huge rating. So, you know, y'all know what's going on. Y'all know what's about to happen. So just be warned. A lot of those conversations are probably happening on all the major networks. So just, again, be prepared, Slim, because them shows are coming. All right, y'all. The first half is in the books of episode 50. We had a strong halftime. We made some adjustments, and we know what we need to do to get this big win on our 50th episode. So we're going to keep the show moving with our third topic this week. Third quarter. We've got another huge fight this weekend as the heavyweight division continues to kind of try to take shape and build toward a huge showdown between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. But before we could even think about a huge super fight, if you will, AJ, he's got a tough test as he's going up against another champion as he tries to unify the division, New Zealand's Joseph Parker. And, you know, Parker, he's a, I haven't seen too many of his fights, but of all the things that I've heard about him and uh, things that I uh, have seen, you know, he's another boxer puncher. Again, he's not going to be the, 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 the super puncher that Wilder is. But as another guy who, you know, people forget AJ is still kind of young in the game of professional boxing. So the more kind of different types of opponents that he can get into and get in the ring with and try to figure out the puzzle ultimately will be best for him in the long run. But I'm, I'm still a little worried. You know, again, AJ's fought better fighters than Parker, you know, from what I've can, uh, what I've learned. Um, but, you know, anytime you get in the ring with someone who is, again, he is a champion and he's not your standard heavyweight fighter, it, it, could, it could be a potential problem. And Anthony Joshua, by no means, is like this great uh, boxer. You know what I mean? Like, he's a, he's, a, he's a very talented puncher, a talented boxer, but he still has flaws and flaws that he's trying to iron out as he grows as a pro. But I'm worried because anytime we have, like, the setup for this great fight, which we absolutely have now, more so than we had at the end of 2017. Like Wilder Joshua is primed for just like, just one of the bigger fights that we've put together, especially considering just how massive of a star Joshua is, you know, outside of the States. It's something that, you know, we as Americans, we kind of, we, we gloss over like, Joshua may not be a, a superstar in the, in the States and Wilder isn't by any means. But internationally, Anthony Joshua is like a megastar. And anytime, you know, Deontay Wilder has these, these really amazing performances where you just see his, his strength and his speed and his agility, you know, boxing is huge overseas, man. 
And like these guys look at it. Um, we're going to try, you know, there's a little bit of a tease. We're going to try to see just how big of a star uh, Wilder is, how much his name resonates overseas for next week's show. Again, that's a little teaser as we break down AJ's fight with Parker this weekend. But I'm worried, man, because any little bit of a, you know, hurdle, obstacle can kind of throw this entire fight. And look, I, I fully expect AJ to win. And even if AJ didn't win, he's the A-side. He's such a big draw, especially internationally, that it just doesn't matter. Like, if they want to fight Wilder, even if he has a setback versus Parker this weekend, it still will happen. Make no mistake. But you wanted, you wanted that perfect, that that undefeated versus undefeated champion uh, unification bout. You like all of these things just line up perfectly. And again, we're not even talking about Tyson Fury. You know, he's not even right now in the discussion. But, you know, that's a wild card that may appear in 2019. So the heavyweight division, it's just it's just lined up. And I'm just nervous. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're a boxing fan, these super fights, we haven't really, we, we went through a long stretch without them. You know, late 90s, we were getting them over and over again. Early 2000s even to a little bit, and then they just stopped. And then we just went so long without them. And if you've listened to this show for any significant amount of time, you, you know how much I, I loved 2017. Because we that was 2017, really the end of 2016 and all of 2017. That's what we got. You know, like get the best fighters in each class and put them in the ring and let's see who's the best. And man, we've gotten that. And then, you know, you just hope nothing gets in the way. You hope nothing gets in the way between a Wilder Joshua fight. Because, you know, they always say in the sport, certain fights need to marinate. Wilder and Wilder and Joshua has marinated long enough and it's perfect now. So you, you hope AJ if you're not a Parker fan or a family member, you know, you hope AJ takes care of business. I'm a little worried, but I still think he'll he'll win. Um, and then we, we get the we get the fight that we want to see because Wilder's going to be at the fight, so you know what's going to happen. He's going to enter the ring. They're going to talk their stuff. And, you know, let's, let's get it on. You feel me? We are this close from a legit heavyweight championship super fight. The last time we got one was last year when AJ fought Klitschko. And that... It was the best fight in 2017, and it was a heavyweight battle. You know, let's get it. Let's stop playing around, and let's get it going. But this past weekend, and just to let you know how wild the heavyweight division, Dillian Brown, Dillian White, excuse me, showed himself great. And this is the thing. Because Wilder and Joshua have this, like, electric charisma, and everyone is focused on them. And they've got, you know, especially Wilder. Wilder's got the best punch in the sport. But AJ, you know, he throws bombs himself. But they're both sloppy. They both have moments where they allow others to really touch them and really hit them in the heavyweight division. It's got bombers everywhere you look. You know, Wilder showed his chin off versus Ortiz. Ortiz hit him with some really, really big shots. Wilder didn't touch the canvas. We've seen AJ go down. But again, that's a, for, you know, we've seen him go down recently versus Klitschko, but he's gone down before. But, you know, the, the, the heavyweight division, obviously, AJ has already fought Dillian White. But, you know, you just see that anytime, it's just another kind of uh, point to make that anytime these heavyweights get in the ring with anybody, whether you know them, whether you don't, whether you think that they're legit fighters or boxers or not, these guys are just big punchers, man. And White had, at this point, I got to say, knockout of the year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's no cakewalk in the heavyweight division because any of these guys can put you out and put you to sleep. But outside of the heavyweight division, we've had another just, I mean, potentially dangerous, ridiculous occurrence this past week. And that's with the biggest draw, definitely in North American boxing, Canelo Alvarez. Like this whole... Uh, this excuse that, you know, he's got this uh, trace. I forget what the substance is, but he's got a trace of what's known as a, a, some type of PED in his in his um sample. And now, this past week, there was another one, and he's got to go, uh, you know, 
face the committee about a potential, you know, suspension of anything. Now, obviously, he's had he has highly anticipated fight uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend versus Gennady Golovkin. You know, and I mean, look, man, I'm going to be real with y'all, man. I got plans for this. The first fight was fun. It had controversy, but it, it was an exciting fight. Didn't necessarily live up. I thought somebody was going to sleep, but we saw some big time hits in that fight. And the in the rematch absolutely will deliver again, at least. I mean, if, if no one touches the canvas, you're still going to see the big time punches. But now you got Canelo running around and I'm like, bro, I'm 99. 8% confident that this fight still happens because it's a moneymaker. It's going to be in Las Vegas, and we all know Vegas is about that bread. But Canelo is playing with fire because he's at the point now, if he wins, everybody's going to question the, the legitimacy of his win. If he loses, he's going to have this built-in excuse, and that's if we get the fight. Canelo got to calm the hell down, man. You playing with people's weekend plans, baby. Everybody got things set up. Everybody knows, man. It's not... If you, unless you're in Vegas, if you're just throwing something together with your boys, there's nothing better than a fight party. Fight parties top any other personal sporting events. Again, just intimate sporting events. Not talking about going to Vegas or going to a game. I'm talking about you, your partners, your homegirls, whatever. Y'all just chilling on a Saturday night. There's nothing better than a fight party. And Canelo is going out of his way to mess up, you know, one of the biggest fights of the year. Canelo, man, like, <laughs> you you keep on talking about this chicken that you ate, bro. And, man, maybe, maybe you were telling the truth. But, damn it, it's hard for me to believe you. It's hard. You got all this bread. You know the Mexican government has allowed this certain type of traces of these uh, of the, the food to be contaminated. You understand what I'm saying? And you talking about tainted meat? Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on, baby. You understand? Like, it's 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 hard. It's hard to rock with you on this, especially considering, especially considering you. I thought it was a draw myself. Canelo Golovkin won. But damn it, it ain't hard to be like when you see the score that actually gave you. It's easy to be like, hold on, man. Something's fishy here. So for everyone's sake, in terms of the middleweight division. Let's hope Canelo gets his act together. Let's hope the fight isn't postponed. It won't be suspended. Again, too much money involved here. But Canelo got to stop messing up, man. He got to stop effing around, Joe. And he got to get focused. And let's hope that we have a, a, a legit fight because Slim, like you hear you hear athletes talk about distractions all the time. But if you're in a combat sport, if your mind is elsewhere, then somebody can really put you down. And Gennady Golovkin, although he's getting older and although he may not be as uh, lethal and dominant as a puncher, that he once was, man, not even love gonna break your face. Marshawn Lynch joint, right? So hopefully, you know, this fight, Single de Mayo Weekend, actually does happen Single de Mayo Weekend. And, you know, Canelo stops messing around. And hopefully, this past this upcoming weekend, immediate weekend, Anthony Joshua takes care of business. So we could get probably, I mean, the biggest fight that could happen in the sport right now. Okay? And that's kind of putting Errol Crawford to the side because I think if you're a big-time, big-time boxing fan, that's the fight. That's the that's the A1 super fight that you want to see, but that still has some some maneuvers that it has to happen. The, the biggest potential fight in the sport, in my opinion, is Wilder Joshua. And, you know, we are, we are this close, this close from actually seeing it come to fruition. So, AJ, man, don't overlook. Don't overlook Parker, man, and, and let's, let's, let's get the big fight. Let's have it happen for real. Okay, guys, that's the third quarter. We are three quarters down. We're going to finish up strong on our 50th episode with a question that I'm going to pose to you guys about which potential 30 for 30 documentary you'd most want to see. It's an interactive fourth quarter on our 50th episode. Let's go. Fourth quarter. When ESPN first started doing the 30 for 30s, I mean, it was it was amazing. They were It was such an amazing idea, and it was done at such a high level right I mean, this is about like what eight years ago now maybe a little longer but it was it just took off and everybody they we couldn't we couldn't wait to see the next one in it you know whether it was the two escobars of the u or 
um, the Ben Johnson story. I mean, the, the early, the early renditions of the 30 for 30s, they were fantastic. They were amazing. They were so well done. And they told you stories of, of big time topics, but gave you a certain amount of context that you wouldn't otherwise have known. And then they've gone on over the years. I think at first they were just supposed to be like 30 stories, but they, it, it's continued now and they've done God knows how many. And you know, a few years back, they did the OJ like super special one, like which lasted an eternity. But more recently, like I feel like they've kind of fizzled out a little bit. Like, I don't know, maybe they've run out of good ideas. I mean, some of them are like, the, like some of they've had good ideas, but the execution wasn't where I at least thought it would be. Like the Ric Flair 30 for 30, I was, I was amped up for, man. You know, if you listen to the show at any significant amount of time, as a kid, you know, I loved wrestling. Ric Flair was one of my favorite wrestlers. So there, there was a lot of anticipation for that one, but it fell flat. But it got me thinking, again, 30 for 30s, I think they'll, they'll last forever. Or as long as, you know, there is an ESPN and people's uh, thirst for sports is as high as it is now. But it got me thinking. I'm like, man, we've kind of lived through some really amazing sports stories recently. And we're probably like two decades or so away from having a 30 for 30 on some of these things that we've lived. And it started with a question I posed on my personal Twitter account, like maybe about a week ago. And I was like, you know what? You know, as it stood at that time, Tiger Woods was the favorite to win the Masters. And he still may be, actually. And James Harden is the favorite to win the MVP. So I was asking myself, and I'm just talking to, you know, my buddies, whatever, like, which 30 for 30 would you most want to see? The Tiger Woods story? You know, whether, whether he wins or loses, you know, in a week at Augusta, just which one would you rather see? You know, kind of chrono, you know, chronicling, the, the 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 rise fall and the comeback of Tiger or you know Oklahoma City James Harden wins the MVP this year following Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook winning the MVP last year which followed J, uh, Kevin Durant you know winning Finals MVP and winning the MVP like what three years back four years ago and all three of them played on the same team we're talking about three of the best five or six players in the NBA all playing at a young age on this young upstart small market team and it all kind of just crumbling around them, you know, like which one would you rather see? And overwhelmingly, as you would expect, the response was it's tiger. Like the OKC story would be dope, but obviously it's tiger tiger. Tiger is one of these rare occasions where he transcends a sport. Like there are people who don't like golf, but will watch tiger woods play. And there are not that many people you could say that about where you where, where people will watch a sport that they don't know and they don't really care about just to see one singular athlete. And Tiger moves the needle more so than probably any American athlete there is relative to his sport, right? I don't think that's even up, up for debate now that especially now that Floyd is gone, you know, so. The overwhelming response was it's Tiger and it's not even hard. But I want to pose the question, I guess, a little bit different. I want to give more options, but I also want to clarify kind of my position. And Tiger Woods is the answer the way I asked it. And it may still be the question the way I phrase it now. But when you, when you look at or when you think about these 30 for 30s and the ones that stand out the most, the, the, the best, right? The best of the best. They have... Not only a great story, not only great characters, but they actually have information. They have great interviews. They have all of the stars of whatever topic that they are discussing. And if they were in there, I, I'm sure there will be a Tiger 30 for 30 at some point. But will we have the necessary interviews, right? All the, the, the information, like the, the, the police phone call. Will we, ha will we hear from Tiger? Will we hear from one of the first responders? Will we hear from his ex-wife? I have a hard time believing that Tiger Woods would be invested in a documentary piece on himself that's not slanted, right? I'm sure he will be fine with doing one because it's lucrative. People will absolutely buy it and eat it up. But 
you want to hear the real, right? Because there's so much about this Tiger Woods story that we don't know. And if anything that I've learned from this past week, as it pertains to, you know, how we as Americans love the gossip in the dirt, whether it's 60 minutes, there's so many things that are going wrong with this country, politically speaking. There's so many things that you could attack this president on. But everyone was focused on an affair he had with a porn star. You understand what I'm saying? It was like, that's what, the, of all the things that you could take issue with, we're going to focus on Stormy Daniels and the president? I could care less if he knocked her down, right? Like, dude, that's your personal life. I don't care. But clearly we all, as Americans do, because 60 Minutes had never been more popular than it was that Sunday evening, right? And then you got Tiffany Haddish talking about uh, an actress biting Beyonce, and everybody's going crazy. Who bit Beyonce? Hashtag who bit Beyonce? Y'all trying to come for my baby, my soulmate, Sana Latham, talking about how she was the one. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's kind of where we are. That's where our attention lies. So if we're going to get a documentary on Tiger, I know y'all want to hear from the wife, ex-wife. I know y'all want to hear from Lindsey Vaughn. I know you want to hear from, you know, the people who, you want to see the mugshot of Tiger getting arrested. You want to know if, you know, he had, you know, he got his teeth knocked out. The whole nine. All these rumors that were going on, going on, swirling around Tiger. That incident that happened back in November in Orlando. And I don't know how likely it is that if Tiger signs off. Because look, I don't think that you're going to hear from his ex-wife if Tiger Woods doesn't sign off on it. You damn sure ain't going to hear from Lizzie Vaughn. If Tiger doesn't sign off on it. So how good, like realistically speaking, how good, how much information, how many questions will be answered on this potential 30 for 30 on Tiger? And that's one of the reasons why I'm not so sold on Tiger Woods potential 30 for 30 being dope because I don't know how much we're going to get. But like, let's say, let's put option number one, a Tiger 30 for 30. Option number two, the Oklahoma City breakup. Because that one, I think that's the easiest of these potential stories that we could do, right? If you're going to hear, hear, have a documentary on three of the best players in the league all playing together, going to the NBA Finals, and then that offseason, after going to the Finals, you break it up. You trade James Harden for role players, for role players. And then immediately following that trade, Russell Westbrook, someone who never gets hurt, gets hurt. And he wasn't right for a full year. And then Kevin Durant gets hurt for two years. So having, if you were to have had James Harden, you would have probably had a longer playoff run because you would have had, instead of three, you would still would have had two and still would have had Ibaka and all these other guys around. And then you see Harden leave, winning MVP probably, possibly winning a championship this year. Kevin Durant won an MVP, then left, won a finals MVP in a championship in Golden State, and Russell Westbrook trying to stay and keep it all together in OKC, but obviously not having the same type of team success that the other two have had. I think that would be a fascinating story, and here's the deal. You'll be able to hear from Russ, Durant, Harden, Scott Brooks, Sam Presti, Daryl Morey. Like, you'll be able to get all the major players of that story, all of them. And I think because of because of the access that you would have, that would make for an amazing documentary. Because again, I can't. I, I imagine telling my daughter, and she gets a little bit older, like, "Yo, all three of those guys played on the same team," and she'll look at me like, "What happened? Like, how? Why did that break? Why did that fall apart?" I mean, just fascinating stuff. Because you can. This is like during the middle of when owners were complaining about market size and how players are leaving. And, you know, the, the CBA needed to be changed because you need to, to keep market size teams and small market sizes. You need to keep them competitive. And what actually happened was the changes in the CBA made it hard for Oklahoma City, one of the smaller markets, to keep three of their best players that they drafted. So that has implications on all these different levels. And again, the access would be easy. So I think that would be a great 30 for 30 that we're probably looking like 15 to 20 years down the line. But there's another one. I'm in D.C. And everybody in this area knows the RG3 story. Good Lord. 
RG3 in one season set the world on fire. He came out with Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck, but RG3 was the rookie of the year. RG3 led that. People forget, if you are in Washington, you you probably don't remember the game that Seattle beat Washington in, in that playoff wild card. Washington dominated that first quarter. They scored in their first two possessions in RG3. He wasn't even 100% at the start of that game. And then he banged his knee up again. And then Shanahan kept him in the game. And then the rest is history. So, like, hearing from RG3 and then hearing how the beef with him and Kirk Cousins and how, where Kirk Cousins' career has taken off and how RG3's career has kind of, like, been destroyed, really. And he's to blame for a lot of it. You know, you, you, you can hear from Mike Shanahan and the thought process, like what actually happened in the decision to trade to get RG3. I don't know if Dan Snyder will be involved in it, but if he was a part of it, that would be even more interesting. Kyle Shanahan, like the innovation that he had with the pistol. I mean, if you think about it, if RG3 doesn't get hurt, Washington was what Seattle ended up becoming. Now, Seattle's defense was way better than Washington's. But that offense that Washington ran was way better than Seattle's. Way better. And RG3 in one year set the world on fire. And then after that, it was over. RG, you couldn't go. You couldn't turn on the television without seeing RG3. He's out of the league now. Out of the league. Think about that. Look at how crazy that happened. How fast. That whole thing, that whole experiment, that whole, the 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 the, the frenzy, the RG3 frenzy. He goes from selling Subway and having, you know, all these lame-ass Adidas, like, slogans to being out the league. So I think that would be a fascinating. And while I don't know how, I don't think the RG3 documentary, documentary will be as easy or as, the, the, the main players in that story will be as accessible as the Oklahoma City breakup will be. But I think getting everyone and all of the main players in the RG3 story, it's easier to get those guys for that story than it will be to get Tiger, in my opinion, at least. Because we know Tiger is a super private player, person anyway. And then he's got like, that's his life. Whereas the RG3 story is just his career. And RG3 is known to put his stuff and put his business all out there anyway. So I think that those three, in my opinion, are the biggest sports stories or some of the more intriguing sports stories in recent recent history. And I would love for you guys to let me know, again, realistically now, not which story is best, but which documentary will be best. And factoring in the accessibility of all the major players, which of those three stories would you most want to see as a 30 for 30 documentary? I'm going to put the poll up on the, my Twitter site, on the, my Twitter page, excuse me, Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts. I want to see your opinion. Let me know. Email me. Tweet at me. Vote. And let me know your thoughts. Which 30 for 30 will be best? Because, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Obviously, the Tiger story is best. Tiger is the bigger star. But because we won't have the access, at least in my opinion, that the other two would have, it kind of evens things out. So I'm really curious because, again, these 30 for 30 documentaries, man, they, they started off on fire. But recently, they've kind of died down a bit. And I can't wait till some of these more current stories, uh, after time has passed, we can probably start digging a little deeper on some of these stories that have dominated the sports world. All right, guys, that's my time this week. It was the 50th episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy all 50 episodes that you have that I put out. If you haven't heard them and you want to know where you can listen to them, there are plenty of platforms. There are plenty of destinations. You could go to check out each and every single episode of the quarterly report. You could go to Apple podcast, go search for the app and search for the show, the quarterly report. That's quarterly spelled Q U A R T E R L E E report. You could go to Stitcher. You could go to Spotify uh, Pod Knife, Google Play, so many platforms. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can check out the show. Tell your friends, tell your family members, tell your coworkers, anybody who loves sports and entertainment. 
this podcast is for them. We're different, but I appreciate it. And man, I appreciate the love and I hope you appreciate the show as well. While you're at it, please rate and review the show. Head on over to iTunes, search for the show. Again, that's Quarterly Report, spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Search for the show. You'll see the icon with my face on the coin. Click on that, rate and review. Give us some five-star reviews. And again, tell your friends and family about the show so we can continue to spread and grow the audience, guys. I really appreciate you checking and rocking with me for 50 episodes, but we're not going to stop at 50. We'll be back next week, even better, on the Quarterly Report.